0: Welcome back guys to Meathead Hippie. I am Emily Schramm. I just can't wait to motivate you, motivate the fuck out of you with this interview. Jenny Leba is someone I met many years ago and just has the kindest heart and is so freaking strong. If you guys saw my Instagram picture of her, she's just jacked and ripped and beautiful and has the best spirit in the world And I've wanted to podcast with her forever. And I'm so glad she's on the show. She's a runner. She ran 500 miles across Colorado to raise awareness for epilepsy. She's a CrossFit Games athlete. She is a trainer. She is an incredible human being with just so much drive and passion. And I just... I love it. You're gonna love it. So please listen in, share, subscribe, and also leave a review if you can. And I would love to hear what you guys think of this episode. I'm trying to think of what's going on. I was going to Ohio this weekend, but unfortunately that has changed. So I will be in Colorado for the next few weeks, ramping up for January 2nd, my all-new MFIT challenge, $21 for 21 days, emily And also. I am really excited to start preparing for a launch of the Body Awareness Project. I've been working on it for a while, but I'm tackling the skin. So, if you have been affected by acne or skin conditions or know someone that has, this program is going to be incredible. I'm interviewing people that are experts in the field and giving you guys a full program on how to help heal your skin from the inside out, hormones, food, stress everything you can think of. I just, I can't wait. This is the first time I'm actually talking about it. So I'm nervous because it's something new, but it's going to be incredible. And it's something I wanted to do for a very long time. Skin, you know, if you've had skin issues, you're with me, you know, what's up. So anyway, listen in and I'll see you guys next week. (laughs) I'm Emily Schramm, the ultimate meathead hippie. Welcome to the show. Dani Baba, you are just one of my favorite humans in the world.
1: <laughs> uh, right back at you, sister. <laughs>
0: um, so I don't, I was trying to think of when we connected, um, God, maybe it was that trip to Brazil.
1: To Brazil, probably, yeah.
0: Yeah. Really that invic-
1: Yeah, Totally.
0: And I just, I mean, I always have, when I first got into the CrossFit world, you were always somebody that I had followed because you're so strong, but you're also so humble and you do everything you do with grace. And I was like instantly gravitated towards you and the things you've done since we've met are just, I just can't wait to talk about them. So welcome to Head Hippie.
1: Thanks. I've been on it for approximately 30 seconds. And I'm already going to start crying. <laughs> 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 oh, no, you, so
0: good. <laughs> no, You. well, you just, I just love your energy. And for everyone listening, I wish you could, I mean, you'll get a sense of it when you're listening to Jenny talk, but seriously in person, you know, those people that you like, in person you just want to hug. <laughs>
1: oh, yay. I'm a hugger.
0: <laughs> you're yeah, you're that person. And so you're originally from Colorado, so you'll be coming soon yes. my way. Um have you always been into like first off, you were just an incredible runner. So that's when I think of you, I'm like I just envy this ability for you to just put on a pair of shoes and go run. And so <laughs> some like my mom runs, my family runs, my aunts run, but I just like have a block when it comes to running. And I think just, and I'm kind of accepted it, but for you, did you always just, did you always run? Where did this come from?
1: I don't know. So I, um, yeah, I grew up in really small town, Rifle, Colorado, and which is in the, in the hills. And I, Literally, my family is just so active. So we were like, my dad hiked and hunted and fished and did all this stuff. And when I was three years old, he's like, okay, I'm I'm done carrying you on my back. So either you're <laughs> going to walk or you're going to not come. <laughs> so when I was three years old, I hiked 10 miles my first day when I was three years old. And my dad led me up the trail with like Reese's Pieces so that I could like have the next treat. But um, I think that's where it comes from is my love for being outside and be able being able to move myself without any... Object, except for my own two feet, and mm. so running to me is not like a workout or exercise. It's a therapeutic experience every single time I do it.
0: Mm. And you listen to podcasts when you run, correct?
1: <laughs> I do. I it do. Will. <laughs> one day when you have your
0: own, I can't. Wait. I'm going to be like Jenny. I listen to your podcast on my run. I'm going to be like <laughs> uh, um, you. Tell me about this really, really long, amazing run that you did across of all of Colorado. This is just incredible.
1: Um, Okay. Well, to make 35 years of my life in a few minutes, um, when I was eight years old, I was diagnosed with epilepsy. I have what's called simple partial gelastic seizures, and that just means that part of my brain is affected, and I have this constant tingling sensation in my right arm, so it's there 100% of the time, and when I have a seizure that feeling intensifies and I can't use my right arm and the gelastic part means, which is really rare gelastic seizures. I have, um, I start laughing uncontrollably. So like at first my parents thought I was just being this goofy little kid and then they're like, mm-hmm. she's doing this all the time. This is something's going on, you know? So did you, um,
0: at, did you, at eight, did you know that something was going on?
1: Well, not really. So it started actually when I was seven. I was playing around. Remember when you used to get on the monkey bars? That, not the monkey bars, but like the one bar, and you would just spin and spin and spin and spin, yeah. spin and spin. I so wish I could still do that because I remember how fun it was. But I was doing that one time, and I fell off into the pea gravel and hit my face. And I was a pretty athletic kid, so I I was really embarrassed, and I jumped up and pretended like nothing happened. And mm-hmm. Then I went home and told my mom and there were other things like that that were happening where I just, just would like kind of lose control of myself. And Mm. then when my parents saw me holding my arm, I would hold my arm and like grasp it with my left hand and try to stop it. Um, It's kind of the best way I can explain it is like if you hit your funny bone and that Mm -hmm. is just there literally all the time. But, um, so yeah, I didn't, we didn't know what it was and, um, epilepsy still has a pretty crazy stigma. Like there's not a lot of, um, people just don't talk about it. You know, yeah. it's just a weird thing. I mean, it used to be like in like biblical times, people were possessed by the devil and just crazy stuff. So um, yeah, I I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what was going on until MRIs and EEGs and poking and prodding and doctor visits and all of these things and finally diagnosed with, with that. And they figured out, um, I um from when I, when I was eight years old till I was 14 years old, I really struggled finding a medication that would control them. Mm -hmm. And um, they eventually put me in the hospital and took me off all of my meds and were trying to instigate a seizure. And they found out I have a scar on my brain from when I had meningitis as a baby. So, wow. Yeah, that's where they, it was bacterial meningitis. So that's where they think that everything is kind of, kind of stems from, which is, yeah, which I'm actually really lucky because there's what like 3.4 million Americans that are diagnosed with epilepsy, one in 26 people. In their life, will be diagnosed with epilepsy. So, um, really high probability. Unfortunately, there's 40 different types of epilepsy. So, um, I'm really lucky because the two thirds of people will not know why, and don't have a reason. They just just have them. So, um, yeah, that's and it's epilepsy awareness month. So, thanks for letting me share a little bit about it. No,
0: this is perfect. And I did. I didn't know that you could the scar in the brain thing. That's in. That, I always thought it was just genetic. Like that was something that your brain, how your brain developed or what happened when you were in the womb. And that's that's fascinating because I feel like that has that's more of the reason behind a lot of this stuff, right? Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I love it because I haven't, for my listeners, I haven't actually heard the story. I am a part of her fundraiser and I love it all. And I love Jenny, but This is so fun for me to hear for the first time because it's just so inspiring. So you um, got on a medication at 14. Is that when you found something that worked for you or you got off of all of it?
1: No, so I play that's the the medicine is the worst part of epilepsy for me, honestly, and from what I hear as I'm getting more involved in this community is that it just is awful. If you've ever been on neurological medication, it makes you feel so outer body. Like you just don't you don't act right, you don't feel right, you just things aren't good. You're usually pretty tired and so that became my norm though, because when I was eight years old I started on these medications and from eight to fourteen I was just playing around trying to find a medication that would control my seizures, but also the symptoms weren't so terrible that I could still function in everyday life. So eventually in 14, when I was 14, they, they put me on a medicine called Dilantin, which is the oldest med in the book. And, um, I was on it until I was 31. And when I was 31, I, um, you can't carry a fetus and I'm of childbearing years. And so Marcus and I, my, my forever, we talked and we said, you know, maybe we should, uh, we should consider changing meds. And at that point I was taking a year off of competing and it was perfect timing. And so I switched to a different medication and then I have a whole new story after that. But
0: Yeah. yeah. Okay. I got it. So the yeah. talk, the run, what was like, so let's talk about the run, how how many miles it was, how many days you did this run. You ran across all of Colorado.
1: Yeah. So to kind of give a backstory, I, when I was diagnosed with epilepsy, I never talked about it. Then I got in like several years later in my adult life, I got into CrossFit. And as Emily kind of touched on, I had a little bit of success in that. And in 2011, um, I got sixth. And then in 2012, I made the games again. And Marcus, who is a videographer, said, jenny, you know we we have to put a video out to this is a great even platform like you people are following you like let's share your story and I immediately reverted back to that scared little eight year old girl and I was like, You're insane, no, <laughs> <laughs> and then we did it so he he's like, you know let's make this video, and if you don't like it, then we don't have to use it and I'm a, I'm really good at arguing, but I couldn't really argue with that one. <laughs> so, so we made the video and it was awesome. And I knew that I had to share it no matter how scared I was. So I released it and the outreach was absolutely overwhelmingly positive. And people of all walks of life saying that they had epilepsy or their sister or their mom or whatever, or they have cancer or just, oh my gosh, thank you for sharing a little bit of yourself and being vulnerable enough. So there was this great, great outreach. And then I I knew I had to do something bigger, but I was still a little bit stuck in that selfish athlete role, which isn't Mm -hmm. bad. I'm not saying selfish is a bad thing. You know, you have to be like that when you're competing, but um, yeah, so I competed a little bit more and then I knew I had to do something way bigger. And Marcus and I were driving home to Colorado to see my family and up I, or driving up from Durango, we were going through the Animus Canyon, and I just had this overwhelming feeling of awesomeness, because that's how I feel when I'm in the mountains, just like this clarity, and just I'm finally get to be me, and all of a sudden, tears started pouring down my face, and I looked at him, and I said, I'm going to run across Colorado for epilepsy, and he looked at me like that was a totally normal thing to say, and he was <laughs> like, well, okay, let's do it. <laughs> and so... So for about two, I guess we we saw my parents for a couple of weeks and then went back to California where we're, where we're living now. And for two and a half months, I planned this run. I got sponsorship and planned the route and sort of trained Brian McKenzie, if you know that name, he helped me out immensely and gave me some programming. So I didn't have to think about that. And, um, yeah, I, I ended up two and a half months later, finding myself on the New Mexico border of Colorado with this caravan of people, my boyfriend, Marcus, my mom was there. My dad couldn't be there at that point, but he was in and out. I had my dear friend, Tori Zellick was my massage therapist slash my mental coach and shoulder to cry on. And <laughs> my girl, I needed a girl there. Mm-hmm. Um, and my dogs and her Tori's dad um, bond was with us the whole time too. So I had this caravan of people that we started on the new Mexico border and I ran 500 miles up and over the Rockies to the Wyoming border. It was um let's see eight mountain passes there was 36,000 feet elevation gain and 35,000 feet elevation drop um what else it was it was hard how many days did you do this in It was So the whole thing was 31 days, but 27 days of running. I took four days as off days and PR days, you know, where I was in gyms or at parks or at hospitals trying to do some promotional events. So.
0: Oh my gosh. And how did, how did you even map this out? I wouldn't even know where to start. Like you just were like, I, okay. Day one, I think I'll have 15 miles in me. I don't even know. How would you do that?
1: I didn't know. I had no idea. And I'd never done. I mean, okay. So to give you a little, you say I'm a runner. I, I'm I like, I'm am, but I do it just for peace, not for like, I did one marathon in my life and I qualified the Colorado marathon in at the Poudre Canyon in, in and yeah. so I did that marathon in like 2006 and I qualified for Boston and I was like, I'm never running a marathon again. That's so silly.
0: <laughs> oh my God. You're so good. So what's your like average mileage here? Cause this is, you're a, On soccer, the run? Yeah, I'm I'm a soccer player. Yeah. I'm a
1: player. Yeah. That was like what I did in college, but um. Let's see. On my run, it varied, you know, because some days you're going up a mountain pass. I learned fast that it's way faster to walk uphill than it is to run. So Mm. um, some days were were definitely slower than others. But towards the end, when so you asked how I learned to plan it. So I thought, well, I'm like, I'll just go from east to west, you know. And then I looked and I, like, growing up in Colorado my whole life, I'm like, oh, yeah, the entire eastern side of the states is like Kansas. Like, I don't want (laughs) to... I don't want to run on flat ground and look at fields. So yeah. um, I was like, I want to enjoy this and be in the mountains. And so I just kind of planned my route through that, through the experience that I wanted to to be in the mountains. And so, um, yeah, I just got on Google Earth and or started planning it. And as far as each day, I actually looked at the destination rather than the miles. So I was like, well, I want to end at this campground or I want to end at this town. I wanted to be in the public eye because the whole idea was to raise awareness for epilepsy. So mm-hmm. if I would have been on a trail somewhere, nobody's going to see me and I'm not going to end up in these towns that I want to be able to, to talk about the cause. So, um, yeah, it was more trying to stay with a end location for that day.
0: That makes sense. And so yeah. at average miles per day. Um, I think it
1: averaged out to be like 19 miles a day, but some days were, tw- I think my shortest day was 10 miles and my longest days I had a couple 27 26s, you know, that kind of stuff. But
0: that's amazing. You know, and I don't know
1: my average pace because of that, you know? I I'm, don't. It was
0: I'm, yeah, that makes sense. I'm going to make sure that Marcus's videos, the first one that first raised awareness, and also the one that he made with this video. Yeah. Documenting it all. I'm to Thank plug you. both of those in because they are so amazing. They're yeah, so he's good. He's talented. He
1: makes me look good. He's really. Oh he's gosh, they're so <laughs> humble. <You're> so- <laughs> <love
0: Yeah>. <laughs> well, okay. Going back to BMAC, Brian McKenzie, yeah. what did you do for training for this?
1: Well, so at the same time, I'm, I mean, it's literally two and a half months and I hadn't been running at all, you know, so like that. So I was like, Brian, I'm like, well, well, I called him actually right after that day that I decided I was going to do it. So I was like, Brian will help me with this. I call him like, dude, when do you think I can do it? And this was in June, late June, right? He goes, well, probably September. And I was like, I am not training for a year and a half for this stupid thing. And he's like, no, no, no. He's like, this September. I was like, oh.
0: <laughs> then I could do this. Can okay, you imagine, do this. Can you imagine having to think about it that long? No, no, oh, no. See, we no. were talking for all my listeners, Jenny and I, before we hit record. We're very similar. When we think some think of something, when we have an idea, it has to happen like now. <laughs> so I can only imagine a year wait for something. No, I would go crazy. <laughs> no.
1: Yeah. So to train, like it's, I think the longest training I did was 15 miles. I I don't think I did any more than that, and it was broken up. I mean. For anybody that knows anything about endurance training, just going out and pounding the crap out of yourself is terrible. Don't ever go run five hundred miles across Colorado, guys. <laughs> it's not a good idea. My knees still hurt, but the cause was worth it. But the um, yeah, it was a lot of interval interval type training, longer intervals. You know, we do um, like three five Ks. 5k repeats for trying to hit certain goal times um mm. i did a couple like mile or mile mile repeats um as far as strength training i did two to three days of strength training still in the gym doing more single which i still do a lot of that stuff it's more of my my jam is to do like single leg um mm. unilateral you know, work and yeah it's, it's
0: the things the things we forget about in crossfit, the we
1: forget about <laughs> in CrossFit yeah i'm not i'm like the least crossfitty crossfitter you'll ever meet in your life i love it i think it's great, but I, yeah. like
0: for sure. I'm with you yeah. on that. I yeah. want to get into your CrossFit backstory in a little bit. Um, one of the things I wanted to ask is what you found out about yourself on the run, because there's so much time with yourself and in your thoughts. And I know there's a specific video piece where the river, there's that river crossing. And I was just like, you know, goosebumps. And I'm I'm starting to tear up just watching you you know, and I can only imagine what you're going through. And I just wanted to know kind of just outside of the awareness of the personal journey of actually running that many miles for something that you, you know, it's, it's you, it's the essence of who you've become and the identity you have of epilepsy. It's like the whole, this does not take my identity. I was just really curious of like the emotional path and the journey you went through as oh. you were actually running.
1: Oh, man. So that is something that I don't think anybody, unless you've done something like this, will be able to understand. Um, From one minute, one day to the next minute, it was a completely and totally different mental state. You Mm -hmm. know, it was, you'd go from like, oh my gosh, I lost four toenails. Like, oh my God, my feet hurt so bad. I can barely walk. I had to cut holes in my shoes so that my feet would fit in my shoes. Like it was just the amount of physical pain would sometimes take over your mental state. But Mm -hmm the reason of running for i I ran for people every day so i got so many people that reached out and i asked i said can i please run for you today and so Mm -hmm. each day i would run and i have those people like written on my hand and remember when things get hard like look down and why are you doing this and when i'm a huge proponent of your why when you do things like why why are you doing it great that's awesome that you're doing it but why are you doing it and if you know if your why is strong enough. Whether you're trying to change your dietary habits, or you're trying to do a physical feat, or whatever it is, if you change your job, whatever it is, if your why is is stronger, is strong enough, then then it's going to be worth every single step, and you'll make it through the hard times. And so, I knew that. But to go through something, this is by far the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. So to to go through that and really put that to the test was huge. Um, But I think probably the biggest thing that I took away is that that was the only time in my life that I have been truly in the moment for a long period of time. Mm. Um, There's, you know, I think as an athlete, um, even like CrossFit or soccer, there's a lot going on. And so to be truly in the moment is really hard. I think the only other time I've been like that is when I'm mountain biking, because you have to be on, or you're going to, if you're doing technical stuff or you're going to be, you're going to not in, it's not going to end well. (laughs) Let's be (laughs) honest. So, um, yeah, but Marcus and I were were talking about that, that there were moments that all of a sudden I was like, I literally, 45 minutes just passed and I have no idea what happened Mm. because I was literally in the moment and I've never experienced that before.
0: That kind of, I love that because that's something I struggle with. And I think, we're, again, very similar because I'm like, okay, what's next? What do I need to do? I'm in the moment for making the idea. But once I have the idea, it's like, okay, here we go. Yeah. I And I always saw, I feel like for me with how you live your life, you're just such a grateful, happy human. I, I never would have thought that you have a hard time being in the moment.
1: Well, I think part of that comes from always wanting more and expecting more mm-hmm. out of yourself. You know, and that is by far never been pushed on me. That's just who I am innately. Like I just Mm -hmm. I think it's a I think it's a good quality, but also one of my worst qualities because of just that. Like Marcus is like, Will you just sit down in the chair and look at the fire? I'm like, I can't. I've gotta do seventy five other things. Like there's so much going on. And he said, You're killing me right now. So are you is your spirit animal a hummingbird? No, I actually So since I've been listening to your podcast, I'm like, I don't even know what the F a spirit animal is. So <laughs> well, I'm like, I love dogs and I love eagles. But yeah. I went on and I was like, took this little quiz and I'm a horse. I don't
0: oh. know what that means. Oh, you have yeah, no
1: totally. idea what that means.
0: It's good. You're like a okay. wild horse. That's good. Okay. That's
1: really good. <laughs> I'll read it to you okay. at the end. Okay, great. great. But um, um, yeah, yeah, I it's it is hard to be in the moment. And I think it's... You see that everywhere right now. Like be here now, be in the moment, be present. It's everywhere and it's so important. But guys, it's so freaking hard. Mm-hmm. It's hard for everyone, you know? To it's truly be in the moment is so hard.
0: And I think it's most of the time when you're trying to be in the moment, you're just telling yourself, Be in the moment, be in the moment, be in the mm-hmm. moment, appreciate, appreciate. Mm-hmm. Um and so that's why are you into meditation? I am. You are? Okay. Let's see, this is the piece that I'm missing. <laughs> Even after Sean's talk, I still haven't started it. Damn it. Um, What, what helps you with your meditation?
1: So I have to focus on the breath 100%. Like I've listened to the, done Calm and done Headspace and I like the apps, but I, I, I can't even that I'm like, Oh, the phone. I'm like a freak, squirrel, 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 you know? So mm-hmm. for me, I have to just go and I started, this is how I am. I and I'm still, I would not say I'm good. Like whoever's good at meditation, like that's a hard thing to go, go for, right? But I just focus on my breath and I literally lay on my back and put my, my hands on my belly and I just do really deep belly breathing. And I that's that's how I can get myself to calm down. And That's a good idea.
0: How yeah. often do you do
1: this? I try to do it every morning. On the days that I coach, is seven, it's hard because I don't, you know, that's early to get going that yeah for yeah. sure
0: yeah. okay well if you can do it i can do it if it doesn't remember
1: so here's with meditation and i say i am bad at it because i am like the whole idea of meditation right is to be aware of your thoughts and i think that i go into it like oh i need to clear my thoughts and that's not what meditation is it's being aware of your thoughts and when they go one way just bring them right back and for me that's where the breath is that one thing you know i just always bring it back to me my belly breathing. Okay.
0: Just do it girl. Just I know. I like that cue. Um, I, when I met you in Brazil, you did the Invictus nutrition talk. And so we instantly bonded because I loved everything you said, because I do know I, you were the only one in the CrossFit world that were you were like, yes, carbs are okay to have, but you don't, it doesn't mean you can have Skittles. Right. <laughs> so I just always have loved your thoughts on nutrition. Um, for this race, What did you even do? I couldn't, I can imagine you were just trying to get calories, right?
1: Oh, girl. So I, that's one piece that I failed at miserably because I didn't, I didn't want to have more things to think about. I was thinking about for the planning. And so I was so lucky. I have a, a, my mom's one of her really good friends who they, there's a place in Carbondale. Have you been to Carbondale?
0: You know, I actually know about this place because of the meetup, and I was brought home some things oh, from yeah. this place, and I am obsessed with it, and I cannot True wait nature. to go. I have to go.
1: Oh, okay. I'm gonna be home this winter, and you're coming to True Nature with me. Okay. It's so, guys, there's this little hole in the wall place called True Nature Healing Arts in Carbondale, Colorado, and these people have made Carbondale's like a town of like maybe three or four thousand, and they have this. Place it is just an amazing sanctuary of awesomeness. Like you go there and you immediately feel like you are a Zen Buddhist. <laughs> Those are my favorite stores. <laughs> like, I'm amazing, but it's a it's a yoga studio. It's a it's a cafe. It's a they have one of the only certified reflexology paths in the United States, possibly even the world. But it's 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 amazing. Oh my um,
0: God! I found that in Japan. Wait, yeah. I- wait, it's like, a the walk on it. Oh, yeah. those are amazing. Yeah. All the pressure points in your oh, feet. Yeah. I bet your body was just like, Oh yeah, it's
1: amazing. Ooh, like- so this company, yeah, it's, it, you have to get there and go to this place guys. But the, the company, um, has a kit had, had a kitchen called true nature healing arts kitchen. And my mom's good friend was their chef. And so they volunteered and made food for me. They would freeze, not freeze dry, but they cook, they'd um, seal the food and then freeze it and then bring it to me. And I would just heat it up in our little, our little camper stove every day. But it was, um, at first I was like, well, this is what I eat. You know, like I'm boom, 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 boom. And they said, okay, well, we'll make that. And about day two, I was like, okay, this isn't going to work. I'm going to need a little bit more carbs than this. (laughs) And so I said, if you could just start adding rice into the meals, that would be awesome. And so, but then what happened is that as I got going, I was not hungry. I didn't want to eat at all. I was like, I wake up in the morning and I every before the run I would have two hard-boiled eggs and a banana, and it was like choking that down in the morning. And then I would run my whatever fifteen to twenty-five miles that day, whatever it was, and I would get done. And um, during the run I was drinking. I just had noon tablets in my water, and then they made me like baby food packets, real real food packets, and so I would eat one of those if I could choke it down on the run. And then for lunch I would have or dinner whatever that meal was it would just be some type of meat usually turkey or chicken and um rice and some sweet potatoes and some veggies and that was that was it and i didn't realize what was happening until i ran i think it was seven or eight days straight and then i got to lake city which is the smallest town in the world which is so awesome i got to lake city colorado and um I thought my mom. My mom saw me. She and she hadn't seen me for a week because she saw me in the beginning and she saw me and she was like, "Um, you're losing weight." <laughs> and I said, "Okay, well, I just thought so they one they went and bought, went they because Marcus and those guys weren't necessarily on my same meal plan, and they got this massive bag of peanut M Ms. <laughs> Yeah. Those are the best evidence if you're going to have I, them. I demolished them. So she got like the Costco size bag and I, it took me probably like a year after that to kick that craving after the run a year. No way! It was insane. Oh, but anyways, crazy. so like halfway I got to, halfway was in Carbondale, at my mom's house. I weighed myself and I'd lost um 13 pounds, oh which my wasn't gosh. good, which was not oh, good. Man. And it was, I just, for being a pretty muscle bound person, I looked at myself in the mirror and cause I didn't have mirrors. I was just running and I looked in the mirror. I was like, Oh God, like all of my muscle has wasted away.
0: Wow. Yeah.
1: Wow.
0: Yeah. That's such a weird feeling.
1: Yeah. So, so that, that was, and you asked me about food and I just like, I just didn't, I didn't eat enough.
0: Yeah. I and mean, then I
1: started, then I started eating and I didn't, I lost one more pound the second half of the run.
0: So then it was just calories. I was curious if your actual cravings, what you were craving, because I always think a craving is obviously a need. And we've kind of twisted that up into something else. But I do think I was like, what would you even crave when you were running 500 miles?
1: Salt and vinegar potato chips.
0: Oh, that's so good.
1: But mostly I ate real food. But those are the things that when I think you're right, when you're having a craving, your body's like, -hmm. Uh you need some salt and you need some carbs. Yeah. After it.
0: (laughs) I love it. That's so and it and you only lost one pound after that? Yeah. That's really impressive for that mileage. Yeah. How many days off did you take after you're done with this five hundred miles?
1: Um, so none. Really. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I, well I'd been running it was weird because I for every day for a month I'd been running like a marathon you know so yeah. I got done I was like that day I got up I'm like I I kind of need to go for a run and my mom looked at me like I was nuts she was like because I was staying at her house for the day a couple of days after the run you're <laughs> nuts I was like no I really need to because I felt like my legs were getting like stiffening up from not moving so I ran like three miles slow you know I should have taken more time off because my knees were pretty. I ended up getting really severe tendinosis in both I hamstrings, know. and still battling it two days, two years later. But
0: uh, I hate hearing that. But it's it kind of is like when you're on pavement. I can only imagine. Yeah, that rebound. Talk to me. I want to get into CrossFit, especially with knowing. Like, did your numbness in your right arm did that affect you competing at all?
1: No, because I don't notice it unless I talk about it. Uh-huh. So, cause it's been there, like I can feel it right now, but it's, it's just my arm, you know, it's just what yeah. it is now for me. So, um, I do have to be careful. Um, this is what people have asked me, like, oh, did your epilepsy affect yourself, your ability to be an athlete? And I said, I actually think it's made me a better athlete because I have to be very aware of my body. Mm-hmm. Um, people with epilepsy, typically some big triggers are high stress, um, lack of sleep, those two things. So, two things that oftentimes athletes don't pay enough attention to. Yeah. So, um, when I was training and competing, I was very diligent with those two areas of my life, and, and so I think that it actually helped me become a better athlete, but also controlled my seizures from from escalating during that high stress time.
0: And I know, since you are such a competitor, and this is something obviously your your uh, what the resume is way more impressive than most people. But I still, you know, that athlete wants to compete, um, needs to satisfy that craving somehow. I know it was really tough for you to kind of step away from competing with CrossFit. And what was kind of the deciding factor for you to say, okay, this is not in my best interest um, to do this anymore?
1: So in 2012 I suffered um, a pretty bad neck injury and I didn't realize how bad it was until it was really bad. Um, but I had bulging C4 C5 C6. Um, and I had been training with that and because of the constant heavy overhead, heavy overhead, handstand push-ups, just, you know, and probably not in the best position because when you're in competition, that doesn't always happen. So, um, Eventually two thousand and twelve games I had to withdraw on Saturday during the games because my neck was so flared up I couldn't turn my head side to side and it was not good and so I made the decision of as a as an athlete it's always hard to pull yourself out of competition but um battled that for the next two years and finally two after regionals in two thousand fourteen, I got eighth in NorCal, and I just was battling it all weekend and I said this isn't worth it anymore you know what am I what are you doing Jenny you're number one you're old <laughs> compared to the rest of these girls number two you're you only have one neck you know you only have one arm you only have if you just like give yourself a break and when I did a really interesting thing happened it was hard to be pulled out of competition out of your essentially without my choice you know it wasn't like I was I was done um, competing but I started to realize that a lot of that competitive edge was leaving I didn't have the desire to compete at least at that level anymore. And I think it's more that I didn't have the desire. I love the competition part, but I didn't have the desire to sacrifice the rest of my life. So I am, I secretly hate the gym. (laughs) So to spend that much time in it was, I didn't realize how agonizing it was for me until I pulled myself out. I'm like, all I want to do is be on the trail Mm -hmm. and ski and hike and fish and I just want to be outside. And so when that happened, it was worth it. It wasn't a struggle anymore.
0: I love hearing that so much from you. I think that what I've found is that when you, know, you look at your life as like a big pie chart, uh, if the other parts of your life outside of competing or training aren't very great, if they're not very fulfilling, then it's so much what matters. And it's not always like having to prove yourself, but it's having that thing that just, it does fill you up, even though it's so draining, you don't even realize it's draining because it's the one thing that fills you up. And as far as like the rest of your life, when your relationships are healthy, when the work that you do is more fulfilling, when you get outside more, it's like, oh, this, it, it makes it all balanced. It's this balanced pie chart versus this kind of all or nothing, which so many athletes struggle with post-competing, you know, how do they find that balance and find that happiness that, they once had and I I wish there was more programs and things for people especially professional athletes outside of CrossFit because I just I feel for them so badly like that you know their whole life that was their job and now it's not so what do they do (laughs) it's just really crazy to think about
1: I think it's true I mean we talk about athletes but that goes for Mm -hmm. like your listener that's everybody you know I mean say you've been a nurse your whole life and then all of a sudden whether you're retiring or you're just retiring from nursing you've been pulled from a little bit of what is your or a lot of bit of what is your identity and how do you how do you move forward to the next step without having that feeling of loss or even I hate the word failure but a little bit of oh man like who who am I as a person if I'm not this anymore you know Mm -hmm. um and I think I think you're right I mean with athletes It it is probably all-consuming, but you have to think of that for for every individual. You've got to – and you talk about priorities. Like That's every person I ever work with, whether it's a person trying to compete or somebody just wanting to be healthier in their life, the first thing we talk about is, okay, I love that these are your goals. This is awesome. What are your priorities in your life? I want you to list them. Mm -hmm. And if number one priority – or if your, your goals match with your number eight priority, then we've got some issues. We need to either reassess your goals or reassess your priorities. Otherwise you're not going to end up being happy with either one. Mm.
0: Can we actually go through that exercise for people that want the goal and then the priority? Isn't that an Invictus exercise, right? I don't,
1: I don't know. Should I know I that? oh. I don't know. No,
0: no, no. I, for some reason, this is ringing a bell of like, write down your top 10 priorities. And then write down your top 10 goals and seeing the actual crossover. So don't overthink it. Just like top 10 yeah. priorities in life in everything in life what fitness, business, et cetera. And then top 10 goals. I wonder if that's a good exercise for people. I don't know if that is an actual exercise, but I feel like it should be.
1: I feel like it should be. I think that we should, I mean, I have people, that's exactly what I do. You know, <laughs> I don't, perfect. I don't give a top 10. I just say, Hey, like number one, why did you reach out to me, and what are your goals? And usually, it's some fitness or health or something related goal, which is great. But if that goal overrides your family and your whatever your spirituality, all of the other things that are above it, then then you really have to reassess that because you won't. I mean, and that's where I was getting, I think, with CrossFit is that. I wasn't feeling in the gym like I was performing like I should. And I wasn't feeling in life like I was performing like I should. And there was just this feeling of kind of like, blah, like, what am I, what am I doing Mm. (laughs) in every avenue of my life? And when you, that kind of goes back for me to finding your why, you know, if you're, if you are following your why, you're following your purpose, you have this clear focus of what you're doing and why you're doing it. Things are going to happen. If you don't, if you feel lost in life, then it's time to step back and reassess those priorities, your goals, and your why. And If those are in line alignment, you're gonna you're gonna belong in true nature healing arts because you're gonna be like <laughs> you're
0: amazing. Yes, it's so true because when you have those lined up, which I know so many people struggle with, like what am I gonna do? What do I want to do? It's like the overthinking is what kills it because. It's what makes you have that, like those moments we walk away from clients where you're like, ah, oh, like I did do something for that person today or after, like for me and my podcast, like that connection, like, yes, I feel connected. And I is usually for me connection. And I think for a lot of people connection, but like what gives you that feeling? And I think it can line up with career and income and everything that you are, you know, seems so fantasy for people. It's like, it's so, such a reality.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: What are your goals right now? Uh, just I'm just going to put you on the spot. I'm very curious. <laughs> what are your goals?
1: Just in general?
0: Yeah, like it could be fitness too, because I I do think there's definitely some, you know, I, this is good for me for my listeners because I the one goal that I had for so many years that never happened was making regionals for CrossFit. Yeah. So I got like 63 when it was 60, and then the next <sighs> year they dropped it to top 20. So I was like. <sighs> This sucks
1: (laughs) because I I would have to work so hard so
0: hard and I just knew as soon as he announced it I was like nope (laughs) that's so not gonna happen and because how much I put in to just make 63 so I was like this is gonna that's crazy to me so I that's the one thing that always had bothered me and I finally I loved competing in CrossFit I really did but I also I was always passing over like the identity thing like I feel like I have to do this. So my why was so wrong. Mm -hmm. And then realizing that my why was wrong was really helpful. So as somebody that just loves the competition of CrossFit and I'm a religious watcher of it and I love the, I love everything it is. I do still struggle with some of the things that it's turned into, um, as I know you can agree with, but, uh, yeah, I would love to know what your goals are, what your goals are.
1: Um, Well, I think fitness wise and physical wise, my, this is going to sound so cheese ball, but my main goal is to not hurt. I have been such a competitive athlete for so long and that does not come without a price to pay. And um, my knees are sore from the run, but that's, I'm getting back into running. So that's great. I've been running more. Um, But my, I just hurt for so long. So whatever my fitness goals are, are to stay healthy and to have a really damn good time. Mm-hmm. so I don't have a program right now for the first time in a long time and it is so awesome some days I'm like I feel like doing squats some days I'm like I feel like going for a hike some days I, I feel like I need to stretch <laughs> you know whatever I whatever I feel like that day and it's a uh, it's so cool <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yeah, I love it <laughs> Yeah, so I I feel bad, I, you know, after having a fitness goal or a physical goal for so long.
0: No, it, it's so yeah, good for you.
1: It, it is. <laughs> I am. I'm running a Ragnar Relay. I guess that's something. Oh, that's really great. Is it okay. in Colorado? Well, so Andrea Eger, our beloved Andrea Egger, sent me a message. She said, you want to do a Ragnar Relay? I said, um, okay, sure. When? She goes December 8th and 9th. I said, great. Yeah, I'm in. Then like a week later, she's like, oh, it's in Tampa, Florida. Oh, <laughs> I know. Like, so now I'm afraid that I'm going to get eaten by an alligator on the trails at night in Florida,
0: but um, I'm going. Wow. <laughs> yeah, right. You got to worry. In Costa Rica, there's crocodiles everywhere. Oh
1: like, no. Really? I know. And it what had just you flooded.
0: You you just, I don't even know what I would do because crocodiles are like the They are so stealth. And then they're, I mean, the, the nature shows like those animals don't have a chance. So, no. I mean, I would like to think that I would survive, but I'm also just going to avoid the water. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, good.
0: Sorry. Right. You'll be good. maybe like a taser. Alligators are good. Crocodiles are the are the nasty. Are there crocodiles in Florida? No, just alligators. Okay, good. Okay. Yeah. Oh well look at Andrea a- Agerbaum running more. Good for her. I
1: know, I know. We have it's fun. I guess it's I didn't really know much about it, but I guess there's Dick Castro put a team together. So it's okay. like croning and Camille and I think China, Cho, some some big names and so we're gonna be going against them. So there it's I wouldn't say it's a physical goal, but just something really fun to go do with people I used to compete so against. That's really so awesome. that is physical goal. Um, my other goal right now is, um, and again, it's probably going to sound pretty cheese ball, but I want to be happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I don't want to go into extreme detail right now because there are things in the works. But um, yeah, we're going to have some pretty big life-changing events happening in the next few few months that are going to lead towards that, that happiness, something that I've needed for a long time. So yeah.
0: I love it. And it's actionable, yeah. right? So like, right. I said, screw it. I'm doing yeah. it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And
0: I I love I think all, you know, it's okay to like go through those pain. Like there's so many days I remember just being like this is not where I'm supposed to be, but there will be a time where I it's time to make the change. So I'm just really That's awesome. I want to know about um well first off, do you take collagen?
1: Yes. Okay. My tea every morning.
0: Perfect. Cool. Just, I was just making sure. I was like, I, th- I need to send her collagen. Yeah. Um, I don't want to forget it. So tell me about this wild woman. Um, oh, new, girl! I, I love it. I can't wait to hear all about okay. it. Give me all the beat.
1: Right. So I will try to make this. I'm not. A, I talk, so I'll try to make it as short as possible. But um, I have attended retreats and I've been parts of retreats and I've coached at retreats and I've done all of these and I've always learned a lot and taken something away, but I've also never left a retreat and been like this aha moment of like, that was the coolest thing I've ever experienced in my whole life. And so I, for years have wanted to do something what I think would fulfill my desire for a retreat, not to say that it is for everybody, but, um, I didn't know how that was going to happen. I knew it had to have some physical component. I know it had to have some bit of empowerment component. And with that, I knew it had to be with a group of women because a group of women together is like, look out, hear me roar. So um, I was, it was this last summer we were um, in Carpenter again and we were hiking and it was within about 10 minutes. I looked at Marcus again, one of these aha moments. And I said, (laughs) I am gonna do Camping retreats, and he said, Um, okay. <laughs> I said, But it's going to be for all women, and I'm going to call it the wild women. And I got, I was in an area that I had service on my phone, so I got on, and the, the domain was open. So I bought the domain right then, which was a sign. Yes. <laughs> um, so wild should stand for something, and thought, this is going to be women interpreting life differently. So mm-hmm. the whole so again, it was like two months I got home. It was kind of like the run all over again, which is really ironic because it, the first Wild Women event happened the same weekend that I started my Move Mountains Run Across Colorado, two years before that. Oh, that is crazy. So kind of like a important the Full weekend. circle, yes. Yeah, so... So yeah, these the whole concept is that we go. I take a group of women. There were, uh, I think, fifteen of us this time that went up into my favorite little campground that where nobody knows where it is. It's a pretty hidden little spot in Northern California in Tahoe National Forest. And I took a bunch of women. Some had camped before, some had not. And I said you'd need a tent. I tried to get everybody all, all, all organized. You know, we got everybody a tent space and their own camping gear. And we we spent a weekend in the woods just laughing and crying and. Testing some people again. I mean, some for some people, the hike that we went on—it was ten miles—was really easy. For some people, it was the biggest thing they've ever done. So a very wide variety of of fitness level, which was awesome um, to see women come together and and <sighs> help people that were struggling. And um, yeah, discussions were had that just I can't even explain. They're just really, really, really powerful. But for me, nature is. All powerful, you know, for me, I'm not a religious person, but I'm a very spiritual person, and Mother Nature is my god, for lack of a better word. Um, and so to be out in nature and to share that with the group of women to take time for themselves, you know, I think that women and I am not a feminist at all, guys. Like, Marcus is my forever, my dad is my hero, my brother is my other hero. Like, I love men. (laughs) but there there is something about women that we try to take on the world and with that we usually leave ourselves in a hole and so the idea is to get women to realize and learn from mother nature that you need to take care of yourself in order to take care of everybody else
0: (sighs) i have to go on one of these with you (laughs)
1: You I, can anytime.
0: I'm gonna invite my mom and my sisters <laughs> yes. and they're oh this they're gonna it's love you. Fun. This is it's so, so fun. fun. So it's do you so do you have the next one planned? Where can people find out about these?
1: Well it's wild, it's wildwomen.com or jennylabaugh.com. It's kind of a play on the same website, but um the dates, so this is what happened. I had the first one and then all of the fires happened in Northern California. And so we couldn't, I didn't even want to be outside. I didn't want a chance that you couldn't have fires, campfires, anything like that. So kind of got put on hold and now it's rainy season, snow season. So I'm looking at some stuff for this winter, but for sure there's several planned for next summer and there'll be a, there'll be a retreat schedule up there. Um, When is this going to go live? Do you think?
0: Um, So this is going to be episode 32. So okay. we're on episode 30. So in two
1: weeks. Okay. Yeah. I'll have stuff up by right then for sure.
0: Perfect. Yay. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah. I Thank seriously you. want to be a part of this and with the, like bringing impacts and doing work. Yes,
1: ma'am. I oh. have, ooh, we got to chat about some impact stuff. I have some ideas. Perfect. <laughs> I can't wait. Uh, yeah. so I would know. hope so much. I would love to have you be a guest. That would be awesome.
0: Ugh, we would have so much fun. Okay. I got to read you your um, horse, weird animal okay <laughs> um I used to love what was the uh what it was black beauty like I loved black beauty but the one oh it's uh oh my gosh I'm gonna forget the name it was the, there was a sequel and it was this guy that was this rancher and he fell in love with this ranch daughter oh my gosh I don't know where the wild heart is or something
1: oh no, no. I'm thinking of the one where the horse broke. It's leg. Never like, that Oh no. <laughs>
0: oh no. Oh shoot. I'll think of it. Uh, okay. Let's see a horse. It's pulling up. I wonder what Marcus is. Marcus is so awesome. He's so
1: awesome. He's, I love so, you too a, so much. I'm a lucky girl.
0: You guys are both just wonderful people. I think he, I actually knew Marcus before I knew you.
1: When did you meet him?
0: I met him on Twitter. Um, huh forever go because of my blog. I think he thought my blog was funny because it was called bacon and skinny jeans. <laughs> Something really random like that. Like just like, a, that's, that's funny. It was just like a one-time thing. And then um, it came full circle when I met you in Brazil. Okay. Your personal freedom is of the highest priority. Sometimes at the expense of others' approval and you buck away whenever, whenever someone tries to stifle you in any way, even though you know how to travel to other dimensions and realities you still deal well with mundane issues and concerns. You're very loyal to others once they've earned your trust. You love to wander about just for the sake of exploring with no particular goal or agenda in mind, and you're a natural leader and evoke confidence in others.
1: Oh, girlfriend, I like that. You're a
0: horse. I love it.
1: I like that.
0: You're my first horse on the podcast. <laughs> I feel like that's a special animal. Like, they're, oh. they're, they're so wild, but so... Like can be tamed, but they're never really tamed. So it's
1: like a nice. It's good. <laughs> I like that. I hope that's me. <laughs> yeah, I think it is,
0: Jenny. This is so wonderful. So all your jennylebaud.com, um, wildwomanwomen.com, and then your Instagram, you
1: thewildwomen.com,
0: thewildwomen.com, and Instagram. Where can they find you, Jen Leba? Jen Leba. Perfect. I'll have everything in the notes. This was so awesome to catch. You're up
1: amazing. Up. Thank you so much. You're I appreciate it. amazing.